Welcome to the Decarb Connect podcast. We have been on hiatus, as many of you know, and I'm really pleased that our first episode back in this refreshed series is with Gonzalo Galindo, who is president of Semex Ventures. Um, Gonzalo, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself in a moment, but let me just give a bit of context for this conversation to the listeners. So um, not long ago, we had an event in Houston and Gonzalo joined us there to talk about the role of renewables, but also to some extent the challenges for renewables as, as one of the options for decarbonizing industry. And that's why we're here today. I thought it'd be interesting to do a follow up on that conversation and really to pick your brains, Gonzalo, about how the cement sector, how hard to abate sectors view renewables, which are often touted, aren't they, as the kind of, oh, this is the key way to, to decarbonize. So we'll be talking about that. And um, just one other thing I'll add is anyone who doesn't know Semex Ventures, it's well worth taking a look at the portfolio that is outlined on their website, because uh, obviously the, the remit of the venture group is not only to look at climate tech, but it does involve uh, investments in I spotted a couple today, for example, one is on solar that we'll be talking about, one in energy storage, one in gravel from recycled plastics. So there's a range of technologies and uh, companies that Semex Ventures are, are in, uh, engaging with around this kind of broad area of decarbonisation and climate. But Gonzalo, before we get into that, let's start with you personally. And can you just set the scene, give people a bit of a sense of who you are and, and how have you arrived at this point in time where you're focusing on investment and, and climate as well? Thank you. Well, I'm Gonzalo Galindo, as you mentioned. I'm, I'm actually a veteran in Semex. I've been with the company close to 24 years doing all sorts of things. Uh, I've started in business development, buying companies for, for Semex in, in Egypt, in Asia, in Europe, actually. Most majority of our operations in Europe were bought uh, in a transaction in which I participated, left uh, buying a company in, in the UK, which had operations in, in Europe called RMC, the old RMC. Um, I also spent some time doing uh, operations. I was head of our operations in the UK, in certain part, in, in the east part of the US, and 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 I've been always vocal about the strategy and about how. Uh, Technology will shape uh, industries and, and businesses looking forward. No, and, and and at some point, about five years, five years and a half ago, I was requested by our CEO to uh, take a leap into that discussion and and and, and create some ventures. No, and some ventures since the beginning, we tried to create an entity which had a lot of strategic content, uh, and and we saw with some ventures as the vehicle to actually bring in innovation to the company, which actually helped us achieve our strategic objectives. Uh, and, and that's what we did since the beginning. The, 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 the building materials industry in itself is a very tangential industry to the construction world. Uh, so we, we felt really more vulnerable because in a construction project, there are several decisions being taken that we are not participating. And, and on top of that, we are providing essential materials, which, which will have to qualify with a lot of new characteristics moving forward into the future. So it was for us very, very strategic to actually uh, have somebody through Cevex Mentors really looking into the whole construction value chain and really trying to help Cemex uh, attract uh, innovation, which actually helped us become a much more modern, much more uh, strategic company looking into the future. No? As such, uh, climate action, climate change is one of the key 
priorities for us because cement production is a very uh, CO2 emitting uh, process. And it's something we need to abate in the next 20 years. And, and, and that's why we ended up thinking a lot about uh, climate action, CO2, decarbonization, hydrogen, renewables, and all those type of things. No? Okay, so that's a good that's a good kind of scene setter, I think. And as you said, you know, the Ventures Group is has a broader lens than just climate. But yep. even so, within its climate view, tell us a little bit about how, like, is there a sense within the group that you want to have a certain amount of investments in that space? Or is it more, uh, I don't know, certain types of technologies that you're going after? Our, our role is actually, as mentioned, bringing technological advancements and innovations to actually help us achieve certain strategic objectives as such sustainability and climate action is one but we also invest a lot in the future of building materials the, the future of construction processes uh, digitalization supply chain and things like that no? so we try to be fairly well connected with the strategic discussion at CEMEX and try to set priorities into what what is what is really urgent no? um, climate action has become a very a very top priority for us uh, almost at par with health and safety, which has been our top priority for since I joined this company, no? uh, because we know that being a industry which is considered hard to abate, which I hate that concept of hard to abate. Actually, we are the industry with the best opportunity to abate because we can become a engine of CO2 usage and circular economy for the future. Um, but, but it will take some time for certain characteristics of the industry to actually get at, into that point. No? So we decided to actually start early, start very early in the process to get involved with those type of technologies. No? So suddenly the, the, the climate action discussion became a almost day-to-day -day discussion for the CEMEX Cementers Group. Um, and and, and our, the profile of the investments we have done in the last two, three years have completely shifted into, into climate action. Uh, which, by the way, is, is a completely different ballgame uh, in terms of investing uh, when compared to digital solutions or things like that. We, we, we're talking about different, completely different uh, uh, orders of magnitude, completely different uh, type of analysis, due diligence, uh, collaborations with the startups and so on. It's, it's, it's a completely different ballgame. Is it? Well, I'm just going to kind of jump on that a little because that's an interesting an interesting comment really for a, a you know corporate venture capitalist to make is that how different those investments are so when when you're looking at it does does it have different analysis because of the i don't know the nature of the technology itself or is it more about the nature of the challenge as semex sees it i i think it's a combination of both mm. plus the landscape of the the nature of the type of money which is flowing into this vertical you have in this vertical very big funds, very the, the, the millionaires trying to do the good thing and, and, and pledging billions of dollars into climate action. You have the Bill Gates, you have the Bay of Bezos, then you have the oil companies, the oil and gas, which they have money and they can invest in these type of things. No, and then you have the steel and the cement guys, which are kind of, 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 of smaller but 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 with issues of, of, of emissions, no. Uh, on top of that, the technologies uh, are different. It's, it's not just three computer geeks programming software. No, this this is PhDs with uh, concepts which probably in the lab have worked, but then they need to escalate industrially. 
each industrial pilot, it will cost you eight, ten million dollars, which is not just to put the beta system and let's see if it works. No, it's it, this you really need to install steel and pipes and connect with with industrial assets. No, so it's it's it's, it's a completely different ballgame. No, so in 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 this type of um, uh, of investments, the, the relationship and the collaboration between the startups and industrial groups like ours, it's 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 wider. It's, it's really much more intense, much more uh, much more day to day, and really because we are trying to help these technologies to to actually become big and and become available. No? And are you when you're looking at those sort of engineering led startups and technologies, are you is is the fact that Semex has these various sites around the world, is that always a part of the investment plan or is sometimes is it just it's it has to do with it uh, it's 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 not just that we go as a ventures group and and i look, I, look I, like, I like this one i mean we are not experts in all type of technologies we we have to draw from a lot of the expertise from a lot of our colleagues around semi the r d people the technical guys the engineers the plants uh, and, and really coordinate the, the assessment and analysis of those technologies is, is, is very, very thorough. And, and a lot of people participate and we try to compare one with other and so on in, in order to take a decisions that we know it will be supported by all. Because at the end of the day, whenever we take, whenever we invest in this type of technologies, it's not just investment. We usually try to do some sort of collaboration agreement to for piloting these type of things, to help them develop these type of things. And for that, you really need the participation of the people at the plant level or the R&D guys in, in, in our R&D facilities or a couple of engineers helping us to think how we're going to connect this technology to that uh, machine and things like that. No? So it's, it's, it's a very uh, a very open, uh, I think it's, it's open innovations in its essence. No, I mean, really opening us to them and them to us to actually try to make things happen. And then last question on this this kind of aspect before we start talking more about renewables. I'm just, I'm interested, what sort of stage do you typically like to engage with um, an emerging company? In this type of investments in climate actions, we try to get involved at early stage um, for two reasons. Uh, these companies, if they work, they get valued very fast, very quickly. And then the type of checks we can write, they, they might not make sense for them. So we really need to step in early to actually offer them an outlet for them to develop these technologies for the cement industry, because they have similar agreements with the oil and gas guys, with the steel guys and things like that. So, so we really need to become sufficiently interesting for them to actually say the cement industry is important for us as well and CEMEX is the type of guys which cannot help us. No? So we need to enter fairly early. Uh, of course, we try to do follow-ons, uh, but at some point, I mean, we, we haven't reached that point in, in, in our investment, but at some point we, 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 we might decide whether we continue investing or not, no? depending on how things go. Uh, but but it's not just the money that we give them and the opportunity. We try to actually be their partners. No, and in some cases we end up doing joint ventures for commercialization of certain things or for development of, of certain technologies and things like that. No, it's not just the, the financial investment. No? Not just about cash. It's about yeah all the assets at your disposal. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's kind of now come back into this area of focus on uh, renewables that um, you and I had agreed we'd kind of focus on for this podcast. 
For those listening, and there'll be a variety of people, some from industry, some not, some from an experienced investor background, some not. Let's just start with what is the issue of renewables for a for a sector like cement? Why why isn't it just a straightforward fuel switch? The the problem with the the, the industry with our industry is that uh, our emissions are not necessarily related to combustion. Uh, we do have a fair amount of what we call process emissions, the, the actual chemical reaction of uh, producing clinker, which is the meat product of producing cement. Uh, actually generates uh, a substantial amount of CO2. Uh, in fact, in, 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 in one cement plant, about 65 to 70% of those emissions come from the chemical reaction. Uh, for the whole value chain, all the way to the actual, the, the quarry, all the way to our customers, that number goes down to about 60%, give or take. No? If you take uh, emissions on, on transportation, on production of concrete, on quarrying, and so on, no? So uh, renewables will effectively help us to actually solve that other 40%. The, the 60%, there's plenty of things we can do, but it's not about renewables. It's about chemistry. It's about changing the, the, the raw materials, uh, uh, maximizing the amount of clinker that we can use uh, in, in a ton of, minimizing the amount of clinker we can use in a ton of cement and things like that. No? And renewables actually help us for the, combustion piece for the electricity that we need in other grinding mills, in transportation, uh, whatever. No, In that front, I think uh, the industry, uh, and at least in the case of Semex, we are making a lot of efforts in trying to uh, make our operations as responsible as possible. For example, we have countries in which 100% of our electricity needs are renewable, for like the UK, Poland, uh, all of our countries has at least 30% uh, renewable electricity usage. No? Uh, in the vast majority of our kings, we do, we do alternative fuels, which is basically waste. We, we use waste as fuel. Uh, and, and in some cases, some of our kilns, like, like in Poland, in the UK as well, some of those in Germany, some of those kilns use 90% of our fuel, fuel needs are waste. Uh, RDF, climate fuel, or you name it, whatever you like it. No, uh, our target is that by 2030, the latest, we reach the limits of what we can do with renewables, alternative fuels, and so on. Uh, and and after that, the the, the job will be uh, trying to solve the, the process emissions, which will be a much more an effort of, of carbon capture, storage, and usage. No, uh, but but what we can do on that 40 percent, we believe that in the next eight years the latest what we can do it will be done and what's your i mean i know it's always hard to pinpoint a number with this kind of thing but out of that 40 percent, what's your current working assumption about how much of that can be solved by renewables and and those fuels i would say i would say you can basically do 80 90 percent of the problem uh, the, the the thing there is that um because of the continuous operations uh, or maintenance issues or cycles and so on, you will end up we will end up having to use fossil fuels at some point no? to fire up the kiln to uh, because that day that there wasn't any wind or the hydrogen machine break up no? <laughs> that those things happen no but but in essence in theory you you should be able to solve 
the whole enchilada, not that whole decursion. Okay, so so we've talked about that kind of the the wider view of why renewables are not not just a straight fix. So so let's have a look at. Could you give us you know maybe one or two specific examples of types of renewables that you are interested in and how you see those applying? So sort of go look instead of looking at it as the problem, what what's the kind of direct opportunity with a couple of examples? Do you think? Well, certainly we're using wind on electricity. Uh, we. We, we try to become the off-taker, but, but in some cases we are promoters of certain wind farms to actually help us decarbonize, which, which later on we end up selling our participation because we, we are not electricity providers, no? we, we, are, we are users, <laughs> but, but we try to help as much as we can. Uh, solar as well is a, another interesting one, which we are doing a lot of uh, interesting experiments on, on actually producing clinker with solar power only. Uh, we um hydrogen of course is is something that we're investigating uh, the hydrogen different to for example the steel industry hydrogen in cement is still very incipient uh, we are using hydrogen so far as combustion enhancer uh, we are starting to testing as fuel really replacing fuel uh, we still don't know what will be the behavior of the cement kilns at at, at increased levels of hydrogen. That's something that we will see. You know? uh, but certainly those are probably the three, four main uh, uh, areas in which we are doing more um, preparatory work. The use of alternative fuels, uh, waste and so on, tires and so on, that's been happening in this industry for years and years. You know? Yeah, no, I remember talking with one of the cement associations who was while saying cement sector has a lot of work to do, was saying, but but we have also been at the forefront of waste as energy. Yeah, I mean, actually, you, you can, I can guarantee you that it's, the cement industry will become a, a focal point of circular economy in several ways. Today, vast majority of us are disposing 30 times more waste than the one we generate. So it and, and that can be taken to the extreme in the future. Okay, well let me let me grab hold of there was one particular early stage tech that I was interested in that you guys have made an investment in, Synhelion. So maybe let's take that as just a bit of an example of one of the projects you're trialing, but also an investment that you've gone through the process with. Tell tell us a bit about how you first encountered them. What was it that really made you think, okay, these guys? Well, um... These guys came out of the ETH series. The, the, we have a, a good relationship with ETH through our R&D department. Uh, and this was through them when this conversation started on using this technology to actually uh, hit kilns. This technology was originally intended, and actually it's very well advanced in that, in that, in that uh, use case. Sigel is very well advanced in using solar power uh, plus CO2 in creating uh, synthetic fuels. And in the conversations with them, when we started seeing that they could reach very high temperatures with solar power, we said, well, this could be used in actually heating a cement kiln. And that's where the conversation started flowing. And okay, but let's, we started with the R&D guys, uh, setting up a collaboration agreement with them to actually explore the opportunity. Uh, we saw at the laboratory level that it, it was feasible. 
And that's when the conversation from the venture capital point of view started on, okay, well, if, if we have a five phases a collaboration agreement and the first two phases were positive, well, let's, let's think about investing in order for using Halon to have funds to actually start escalating the cement piece of the technology. Uh, and actually we ended up doing a joint venture with them uh, which eventually, which is not yet enacted, but eventually will be enacted to actually continue developing this technology for for cement. So today, that technology is being tested in a, a real environment uh, here in Spain. We have managed to produce already clinker with solar power. Uh, it was grams. We are setting up a, a thing to actually start producing a fair amount of kilos. And if that works, the next stage will be try to come up uh, with an industrial installation in one of our plants in Spain to actually hit the kiln, produce clinker, capture CO2, and produce synthetic fuels with the second piece of the Synthelion Perk technology. So, I mean, I'm guessing that unlike some other routes for decarbonization, I, I'm assuming that the worry, the worry, the challenge with soda is, is less about how it affects the end product, more about is it to do with how much end product it could that source of energy could generate, or what's what's the challenge that you need to prove in this next round? There's still several challenges that we believe we can uh, solve. One is, uh, of course, you need a lot of space to actually capture a lot of sun. <laughs> um, the second uh, is uh, from the chemical point of view, as long as the heat is there. We don't see any problem. In fact, we're thinking about using the same CO2 as the heating media circulated through it. And, and, and they actually providing the heat for the chemical reaction will be the same CO2. So we don't see that many technical barriers there. It's, it's actually making sure that, uh, at, uh, I mean, if, if it has worked in an in a, in, in, in a equipment which is my size, we need to make it work in an equipment which is the size of this building. No? That, that's the challenge. And in terms of the kind of early sense of cost effectiveness, that will be that something to be also be proven in these stages. No, I mean it's 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 going to be worth it. I mean because especially space, you need space. All right. Well, interesting to hear about that. Let's, um, I guess, kind of flip the question back to something you addressed at the beginning, which is what's what is the benefit of that corporate venture capital model? to a company like Synhelion or to any of the investments that you've made. When, when you think about like Semex Ventures stacked up to, against other investors in a competitive landscape, what is it that you think is the kind of the primary benefit other than money that you, you can bring to a company? I think certainly is, a, I think the important part of having a, a unit like ours, a, a corporate venture unit in between the conversation between startups and a corporation is that we we facilitate that conversation. Uh, technologies knock the doors of our plants every day. Uh, and for our plant people, for our technical people, it's easy to talk about technical matters, no? But really trying to put sense into, okay, why is this important, relevant? Beyond the actual technicalities, how can we can make this work? And really being the agent of fluidity between the corporation and the, and the startup, it, that's where the corporate venture helps a lot. 
and and actually trying to get the the best relationship you can get. It's not just okay. I'll send you the technology. You test it. You like it. Okay. It's going to be hundred thousand dollars to install it. No, no. It's it goes beyond that. It's 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 coordinated with the R and D. It's coordinating with the technical guys. It's, it's, it's having a more robust team for the startup to think about the implications of escalating this in, in the cement industry, for example. Uh, having a win-win um, uh, collaboration agreement, which not only provides them money, but also provides them with commitments to actually test things or, 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 uh, or have a more technical discussion, which otherwise they wouldn't be having. No, So it's... That wouldn't happen if they talk directly with R&D or the technical guys, or they just knock the door one day of, of, of the planning group or the CFO. No, I mean it's 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 trying to have that uh, that um, grease to 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 actually make the engine run. No? And and that's where the corporate venturing is 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 very helpful for this process. When you kind of look forward over the next ten years or so, and, and the sort of plans momentum that you have within the venture group what what's what feels what's coming next for you are there, are there certain types of technologies that you have a particular interest in or types of collaborations what, what do you see on the horizon for you uh, i think there's still plenty of things for us to do uh, especially in, in in renewables in hydrogen carbon capture etc uh, all those technologies will suffer uh, well, i think we're seeing this, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the evolution of those technologies. Uh, for example, carbon capture, you still, you can do it today and it's been there for quite some time, but, but, but it's not cheap. And in order to make this hydrogen, I think we part I participate as well with you in the Carb Connecting in a conversation about hydrogen and the future of hydrogen. And, 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 and part of the things was we need hydrogen to become economic and viable. Otherwise, the, the, the story won't stack up. No? Well, there's still a lot of technological advancement for that to happen. Uh, beyond the actual business uh, concepts behind, no? the, the technologies will evolve a lot. No? Uh, and in the 10, next 10 years, that evolution will happen. And, 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 and for companies like us, we need to be continuously, in spite of the fact that we have great relationship with a few startups that are helping us with us and we have high hopes about them about the economic viability of them and so on we know that in 10 years somebody else will come with something better probably or probably them will be the ones coming with the next generation which will be better so so we need to be part of that process and and, and promote that process to happen no? otherwise uh, by the time we really need to go into in, into solving the, the core of the problem we won't have what it takes yeah, and that, that kind of speaks to one of the, the ongoing challenges, doesn't it, which is that this is all about systemic decarbonisation. It's not just one plant in one town in whatever part of Spain or the UK. Exactly. Is it Today we jump of joy when we set up a project to start uh, uh, using 100,000 tonnes of, uh, of CO2 to create synthetic fuels in this plant. No? And it's applause as well. We will have to repeat that 120 times in 120 different locations, systematically. Well, um, Gonzalo, thank you so much for, for talking to us today. I feel like uh, having picked your brains in Houston and now made you join the podcast, I, I really am very grateful. Thank you very much for, for inviting me. Many thanks for listening to the Decarb Connect podcast. We work with clients across the industrial sectors, 
specifically those who are tasked with decarbonizing the most energy intensive products and materials that we use every day. If you have an interest in uh, learning more about either our members network, our reports or our event series, do get in touch with us at decarbconnect.com. Or if you'd like to take part in the podcast, email me, alex at ac at decarbconnect.com. Thanks for listening.